write deep field. I've been writing it for about a year now um, and I thought I would give some different ways for people to consume the content and um, podcast was the avenue that I selected for this year. I did explore the idea of using TikTok, um, but I don't have a ring light. So maybe next year I'll get one if TikTok's still around and um, I'll create my long form content into short 15 second snackable vertical videos. Um, and maybe I'll get more traction. But this year podcast is the way that I've decided to diversify. Um, so if you like what I talk about here, but you don't necessarily want to listen to a podcast and you don't necessarily want to listen to my voice, that is absolutely fine. Um, you can go to deepfield.substack.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter for free. Um, and basically that newsletter is a place where I talk about moments in culture or like things that are happening in culture and society and try to dissect how our mediated experiences and environments have created that moment um, or are shaping it for the future and the impact that that will have on our collective human behavior. So when I talk about these mediated environments or experiences, I'm talking about, you know, media basically. So social media, um, the news, or if you go to a concert radio, Spotify, all of those things, basically these environments where we consume culture and specifically looking at the way that those environments are structured and how it basically dictates how we consume culture. I am really passionate about creating thriving mediated spaces. I think it's super important to be able to have a thriving society those mediated spaces are a huge part of that. Um, and so I am a strategist working in Melbourne in advertising. And um, I've always wanted to be able to use my skills to help society and do good. Um, and being able to work in this field gives me direct access to be able to build these mediated experiences um, that help society thrive. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, and so that's sort of my passion behind Deep Field and what I do. And I am super glad that you are here today listening to this podcast. Um, so without further ado, I will start the podcast for this month, <laughs> which is um, called Aspiration Isn't Dead. It's Middle Class Opulence. Um, and today what I'm going to be talking about is... Um, Around the idea of aspiration, global cultural trend writers um, suggested quite a while ago that aspiration is dead and this year they're, they're hammering that home still. Um, but it first sort of began at the start of the pandemic when if you can cast your mind back to that tone deaf time where Gal Gadot gathered all her celebrity mates and they made that Imagine video um, and they were all singing Imagine by John Lennon and just trying to encourage people to stay home. But it was in this way that was like, well, why wouldn't you stay home? Um, and in the background, like all these celebrities were in their huge mansions and they were very tone deaf to the idea that 
Um, the regular working class do actually have to leave their house to make money for their family. Um, and not everybody lives in a huge mansion, um, during the pandemic, you know, when we were in our lockdowns, there were sometimes people in living in two bedroom apartments with like eight kids running around. Um, so it was very tone deaf and unfortunately, um, Mark Ruffalo was in that video and I was sorely disappointed because he's usually like just so on point and such a G. I don't know what happened there. Um, but anyway, that was sort of a turning point for society and the idea of celebrity. Everyone lumped onto that video and were like, you suck. And people were talking about eating the rich. That's where that sort of phrase came out of like, let's eat the rich. And there were tweets about um, celebrity guillotines having to be made. It was it was a very intense time. Um but that's sort of where it started, this idea that like celebrities create this aspiration and we're now all giving a middle finger to it and so aspiration must be dead. Um, but I'm arguing that that's not the case and I'm arguing it, arguing it based on what I see in Australian culture and giving this very localised lens. Um, as a strategist, I find that a lot of the trends that we're trying to dissect come from a very global macro level and they're usually from like the UK or from the US and whilst you know they are western societies they are so different to the way that we as a society behave and act in our cultural values um so I do always want to keep that localized lens to what the broader culture is speaking about um and just argue that you know these global cultural trend writers might say that aspiration is dead but they obviously haven't been to Werribee Plaza or to any other shopping centre or suburb in Australia to see really that aspiration is thriving. Um, so that is what this episode is about. So if you'll bear with me, I am actually going to start it now. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you can remember last year, there was this guy named Sean Monaghan he was basically the guy that invented the term normcore, which is like basically the fashion we see now. It's like um, cargo pants, New Balance, or like jeans and dad New Balances basically um, and hats and just basically everyone looking so normal but like Seinfeld normal. Sean Monaghan basically predicted that would happen. And last year he came out and he was like, you know what? there is this thing called vibe shift and it's coming. The vibe is shifting, but he didn't say what it was. All he said that it was coming and he didn't think a lot of us would survive it. Um, and basically cultural writers around the world were like, well, what is it? And he threw sort of a few looks around to try and describe what he thought it would be instead of actually saying what it was because I don't think he knew what he was talking about. But anyway, he said these things. He just gave words and phrases like American apparel, flash photography at parties, messy hair, messy makeup. And everyone kind of looked around. And they were like, this vibe shift is indie sleaze. Um, so if you haven't heard about what indie sleaze is, it's basically if you think of Julian Casablanca's from The Strokes, and Karen O from the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, that is the look of indie sleaze. It's just like sweaty mess um, at a Brooklyn party, loving life, living your youth, smoking all the ciggies. Um, that's what he was saying the vibe shift was. 
But I actually think it's middle-class opulence, what he's talking about. Um, you know, we're post-pandemic now. We had this huge social re-emergence last year. Um, people started picking up smoking again. Like, smoking was up. Uh, also, buying bagnums, which are plus-sized bags of goon. That's right, bagnums <laughs> is a word now. Um, it's kind of like, you know, wearing Chanel, but to the dumplings joint next to Coles. It's this middle-class aspiration that's also opulent. It's very much a return to the millennial youth, I feel. So um, what is that millennial youth? Well, it's, you know, $1 beer pots. It's smoking in clubs. It's these dance indie dance clubs like Black Knight Crash or Click Click. It's no Ubers and there were no 24-hour trains, so you had to stay out until morning. And so the party just, like, once you missed that last train home, you had to commit to another five hours of dancing and partying. There were no smartphones. Uh, Multi-genre music festivals were pretty big, so it was like Big Day Out and Park Life. Uh, arts law degrees were pretty big. There was torrenting HBO, so there was like a slew of really edgy HBO shows out at that time. Um, Girls was one of them, but we didn't have HBO here in Australia, so you had to like pirate bay that shit, and it, like you loved it. You loved having that stuff. Um, it was thriving off youth allowance, um, but then also having two retail shifts, so you could work just enough to make a little side cash, but also have a youth allowance. Um, it was $8 a night hostels in Europe. We've all been there. And then finally, um, everybody in this sort of era graduated into the global recession and we all knew that we were graduating into it. So we were kind of like, we have nothing, but we will live like we have everything. And I feel like that's where we're kind of at now. Um, in the Substack article, I've included a couple of photos of what that era looked like. It makes me pretty nostalgic because um, I obviously grew up in that era and I went to all these indie dance clubs and it really defined my youth. Um, but the Cobra Snake was a photographer that was around back then um, and he was in the Brooklyn party scene basically. He released a book last year called Y2K Archives um, and there's some snips and snaps on um, the internet of that era if you want to take a look, um, but it's pretty interesting. Um, and sort of encapsulates this, this sort of opulence because we have no choice kind of vibe. And I'm fully here for that um, because someone once told me that your 30s are like your 20s, but you have more money. So basically it means that I can afford my youth again, <laughs> um, even if it is $220 to see Blink-182 at Rod Laver Arena, I can still go and do that. Um, so what is this new vibe shift that's coming though? So that was the vibe shift of last year, but cultural experts like Anna Angelique and Michelle Weiss have said there's actually another one coming. <laughs> so if you miss the Indie Sleaze one, don't worry, there's another one coming. I don't know it would be as quite, quite as good, but basically they've suggested that we will continue to turn away from this living rich, like living like celebrities aspiration um, and moving towards social realism. So what I'm kind of envisaging that as more warehouse parties, more dirty raves, more ciggies, more giant bags of goon, um, and Nokia 3310. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hearing, <laughs> um, which is not that bad. So cultural content like Triangle of Sadness, which was actually my favorite movie of last year. It does go for over two hours, 
But, you know, if you can put Refused into the scene of a movie, you have won my heart. And they did that and it was epic. Um, White Lotus, which came out last year, or the second season anyway, and then things like Kylie Jenner getting dragged for posing in front of her private jets on Instagram are suggesting that society is done with rich people doing rich people shit. Um, Kendall Jenner also like not knowing how to cut her own cucumber is peak rich people things. Um, it just screamed that she has never had to make her own meal basically. So I want to localize this basically because the Kardashians obviously exemplify this idea of aspiration, but they aren't Aussies and we have our own scene going on down here. So where we're seeing this play out at a very local level, um, and I'm going to use Melbourne because that's where I'm from, um, is this Fitzroy Garage Party, which was a viral TikTok video over the summer break, which showed all these guys um, having this cool garage party in this converted Fitzroy warehouse turned share house. Um, this video went viral around the world. There was people from like Canada and the UK being like, why is this party showing up on my feed? It just went huge. Um, but basically I've linked it into the sub stack if you want to have a look at it, but there was this guy in a green fishing vest, which everyone is now calling the green vest pest. And he just really rubbed everyone the wrong way. He wasn't doing anything offensive. It's just because he was a, he was a white dude, basically <laughs> trying to look cool. And everyone was like, nah, um, there was also someone getting their head shaved, very edgy. There was, um, this green vest pest was also like trying to fist pump like you do at a festival, but he was doing it into the garage roller door. Um, and it was, it was kind of weird. Um, there was also only seemed to be dudes at this party. Um, but later on they were like, no, 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 there was, there was one girl there, um, which cool, but like imagine being the only girl at a party with like 30 dudes, not cool. And there were, um, well, I'm saying not cool because like no girl wants to be in that situation. Um, there were also all these multiple angles um, uploaded of the party. Um, and the caption when they uploaded these different angles were like, but everyone asking to see it from different angles. True story. That is what happened. Um, so people were into it. The content was obviously resonating with some people, but then when it went viral, it went viral for the wrong reasons. Um, some of my personal favorite comments on the video before I start getting into like why it was such a big deal. Um, so someone wrote, is this some kind of like private school Kentucky tour visit to Fitzroy? Um, someone else wrote, reckon I can sell them a bag of baking soda for $400. Uh, someone else wrote the Kevin Blazers suit you boys better. Um, and for those that don't know, the Kevin Blazers that they're referring to, St. Kevin's is like a very prestigious private school in Victoria. It's like pretty expensive to go there. Um, and then finally, last favorite comment, ever hear of a really underground band called Sticky Fingers? Um, these guys just screamed Sticky Fingers. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anyone listens to that band anymore, but um, they obviously got canceled and these boys kind of just dressed like them. Um, but it couldn't just be the boys having a good time. Melbourne and then the entire world decided that this was a private school boys party and someone was living in daddy's 10th investment property. That's basically what people interpreted it as. They were also drinking Suntory double lemons, which are the more expensive tinny that you bring to a party. They're from Japan. They're imported. 
um, and they are more expensive. Everybody knows that real students with no money drink little fat lambs because they've done the math on the cheapest $1 per standard drink in a slab and little fat lambs wins out. So um, basically I did some maths and I tried to deduce like how Australians measure privilege at a garage party. And um, I've done that through the kind of drink that you bring to a party. So if we start at what these boys were drinking, which was the Suntory 196 Double Lemons, um, that's the most expensive tinny basically. So um, it's a pre-mix, it's vodka lemon, but um, it's $2.19 per standard drink, which basically if you rock up with this, you're saying like, I have an unlimited line of credit on dad's black Amex. If you bring a slab of VB, you're truly authentic, obviously, like everybody loves that. Um, but that is $1.37 per standard drink. So much cheaper than the 196s. But it also kind of says like you work a full-time job um, and you're humble. The next is the Cooler Bar Crispy Dry White Goon Bag. So this is $1.31 per standard drink. If you rock up with this at a party, it's kind of saying that you work two jobs, but you've obviously used Afterpay to buy this. And then finally, um, the Little Fat Lamb, one drink to rule them all. If you have never had this drink, um, I suggest you try it, but only try one because it tastes like rocket fuel and you are most likely to not remember the rest of the night. But this is also a pre-mixed drink. Um, it's $1.02 per standard drink. So, so much cheaper than the 196 Suntories. Um, but if you bring this to a party, it means you work two jobs, you barely make rent, but you're here to, a good for, to have a good time. Um, you're a legend, basically. So this is how Australians um, recently have been trying to map out the wealth gap through the types of drinks that you bring to a party. This was a huge sticking point um, in the comments for this party. But um, anyway... 46.3 million TikTok hashtags views later and the Fitzroy garage party became the pinnacle of white privilege and gentrification of a working class area. So ignoring the fact that Fitzroy has been gentrified for the last 20 years, I want to say. Sorry, but the median house price in Fitzroy now is 1.5 million and a rundown two bedroom house costs around $650 a week to rent. And when I say rundown, if you compare the apartments that you can get out in Fitzroy compared to the ones that you can get down in like St. Kilda East, the quality is remarkable and it is cheaper to live south side. Um, but nobody wants to live south side these days. Um, but the main thing is that Fitzroy was working class once upon a time. That's what people want everyone to remember. And so was the whole of Australia. But we're not all like that anymore we're not all working class we have evolved as a nation we have become very prosperous and with that means that there is a wealth gap and these boys throwing a party in what used to be a warehouse warehouse where whoa warehouse almost sounded like whorehouse anyway what used to be a warehouse <laughs> could have been anyway for the working class to work in is the reason why there is a growing class gap. Basically, everyone jumped in the comments and they were like, you're the problem with wealth in this country. Um, and the guy in the green fishing vest and the other guy wearing Carhartt, everyone was like, you're not allowed to wear those clothes. That's workwear for the working class. Never mind the fact that 
this fishing vest look is from Japan and it's been growing over here for the last five years. It's like almost luxury streetwear now, this sort of look. And Carhartt like, has been popular for decades. Um, and someone was wearing like a Nike skirt. And in the comments, everyone was like, why are you wearing a Nike skirt? You're not allowed to. He was a guy. Um, but it's kind of odd because it was 2022 and you can kind of wear whatever you want now. So that was a bit weird seeing people write that and trying to attribute that to him being like privileged. Basically, everyone was saying like, you're wealthy people and you're cosplaying the poor. Um, or my new favorite term, they was kind of just saying these guys are champagne socialists. Um, so thousands commented on the video and they made their own, um, they made their own sort of like piss takes of the video, which are actually quite funny. Um, but this likely happened, like people likely doing this piss taking and just throwing these boys under the bus, um, on an iPhone, which is, you know, pretty expensive. I think they rack up around 1500 bucks these days and they're probably doing it from their bed, which is covered in hundred percent linen and, they were probably working in the day in the office and flicking between work and Depop for some fun thrifts to wear and breathing in this purified air from some device of Amazon. So while we can all sit there and bag these guys, um, you know, we're all diving into that consumerism. We are all part of the problem. The real twist, though, is that the main characters of the Fitzroy Garage Party didn't even live in Melbourne. So they had come from the Gold Coast and Adelaide to visit some mates. So they're not even from Melbourne. They don't even live in that chair house. It's, that chair house is not Daddy's 10th <laughs> investment property. Um, they didn't know anything about Fitzroy, um, which is sort of like what we do as well when we go overseas and we all book out Airbnbs in trendy areas. Like we're kind of doing the same thing. They were just there for the cool clothes and to go to Glamorama. And, um, you know, aren't we all really? So I just want to now talk about remembering the humble middle class. So every cultural shift is a response basically to the decline of the middle class because an Anna Angelique, who's a cultural writer, um, really puts this so simply when she says that culture is stories that we tell ourselves to make sense of what's happening in economy and society. When there was a strong middle class, the ideology and practice of consumerism powered aspiration. In Australia, um, this is not Anna Angelique talking, this is me now. <laughs> um, in Australia, the numbers show that our wealth gap widens by age purely because of the housing market. So those that have paid off their mortgages are likely to be over 50 and sitting on housing valuations that are 500% more than what they paid for. So we all know the analogies, you know, you could buy a house for like 40 grand in Reza back in the 70s and now it's, they're worth like 1.2 million um, so this is where Australia's growing wealth gap comes from and also where it will continue. Because that wealth gap is generational, it means that younger generations will always be aspirational because we can't afford houses anymore. So what was once the aspiration or the Australian dream of like just getting a job and working, working full time to be able to buy a house, that's really like that, that's not a reality for pretty much everybody like you can have a full-time job, but you're still going to have to pay like over a million dollars for a house. Um, and so it's just not viable anymore. So younger generations will have to be aspirational in different ways. Um, so despite the assertions from 
Anna Angelique and Rachel Weiss that were made earlier around the fact that like aspiration is dying. I don't think this is the reality for Australia. I think that we've just changed what our aspiration is and looking to other people to be aspirational toward. You know, a quick look on Google's top 100 trending products for 2022 proves that aspiration isn't going anywhere anytime soon on our shores. The products that are listed just scream aspiration. They aren't products with basic functionality. They're products with aspirational functionality. They make the consumer look healthier. They make the consumer look like they have money because they look healthier. And they are mostly used to relax. And those who can relax obviously have time. They don't work shift work. They don't work three or four jobs. And those who have time have money. So what were some of the trending products for 2022? There was an underdesk treadmill. Um, moissanite earrings. I don't know if you, that's how you say it, but some type of earring. Um, LED face masks, lab-grown diamonds, in-home saunas, Egyptian cotton sheets, magnetic eyelashes, therapy massage chairs. These were the top trending products for 2022. All of these products are not essentials. They are one step above that, and they have all been peddled by the wealthy. So um, on her Instagram, Victoria Beckham regularly uses the underdash treadmill. People froth it. Um, Kourtney Kardashian and her Poosh brand, <laughs> Poosh, her brand, her lifestyle brand Poosh, which is basically goop, but Kardashianized, um, uses the LED face mask a lot. It's their main product, and she's always on Instagram with it. Um, and then when we're talking about these these lab-grown diamonds, um, 10 billionaires and Leonardo DiCaprio invested in a startup that claims it can grow these diamonds in two weeks. Um, so basically, Leonardo DiCaprio um, saw the blood diamond and was like, I can make my own and become super-duper rich off it. But this is what people are into. They see these celebrities um, and they're like, I want that life too. So... Really, these celebrities, they take it our dreams, but they do not give us, giveth reality. They giveth Instagram squares and they giveth reels to show that we too can be free just like them if we have this one thing in our lives. Department stores give us knockoffs so that we can live their life at an affordable price. And no one's going to know. No one's going to know. But in some corner of Reddit, we can always rely on Reddit. In some corner of Reddit, someone has created a 3D render of a guillotine and said that we need to put the celebrities in it. They've said that we need to start eating the rich. Um, Last year, this super cool collective called Mischief, which is M-S-C-H-F, they had this campaign called Eat the Rich where they basically made these um, ice creams that looked like Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, Jack Ma, and Bill Gates. And they had an ice cream truck that went around and sold them. Um, and they were like, eat the ridge, eat the ridge. And they were like 10 bucks each, these ice creams. So they weren't cheap, but they all sold out. And people just loved eating the rich. Um, the Jeff Bezos one actually looks pretty funny because obviously like he has no hair, but it looks, I don't know, go online and have a look at it. It just looks super duper spooky. Um... But anyway, so we don't rally with pitchforks anymore. Eat, let them eat cake is no longer a thing. It's, 
you know, we will eat you. <laughs> um, we aspire on Instagram. We accuse people in TikTok comments. We give a hot take on Twitter and then we dox people on Reddit. That's what we're doing now. That's how we rebel against the rich. So basically we've ended 2022 focused on some dude in a green vest fist pumping a roller door and we made that mean capitalism. But this year we begin it bracing for a recession. We make it mean that we're going to live our lives again. We're going to have these all night raves. We're going to smoke more ciggies and we're going to buy that Verve on special. This is all coming to a garage in Essendon and Parramatta and Logan and to a social media user that is just waiting for more TikToks and Reels to weigh in on the lives of someone else. Um, but if you're having the Essendon uh, garage party, please invite me because um, I love that area. <laughs> okay, well, um, that is it for today. Thank you for listening to me talk. And I will be back next month um, with the next episode and the next edition of Deep Field for 2023. Take care and um, yeah, talk to you later.